So thank you all for coming. And we're going to be hearing from our candidates for city commission. Um, this is a really important forum so that we can see the answers that people give for how they will be acting, working as a city commissioner, because the future of our city lies in these people's hands as well as ours. It lies in our hands because we will be voting. And as we all know, that is a right that we are given as American citizens. Great Falls Rising is sponsoring this, and Great Falls Rising started about seven years ago. The community was looking for a forum for discussion, presentations, programs, and in those seven years, we've done all of the above, including debates and forums and soapboxes and, and presentations from people all over Montana, and I think people have very much enjoyed what we have presented. Let me tell you a little bit about Great Falls Rising. We're told that mission statements should be about two seconds long. This one isn't. Great Falls Rising is a nonpartisan progressive movement that empowers individuals and connects communities while fostering equality, diversity, human rights, civil liberties, and a sustainable future through respective dialogue, education, and advocacy. So that's what, that's what we are about. And so I want to thank the candidates who did respond positively to coming. Um, I want to thank Great Falls College MSU for this room, which is really kind of a nice room for everybody, everybody can see. Um, our moderator, Thomas Risberg, and board member, David Sasloff, for organizing tonight's forum. If you need to use a bathroom, they're down the hallway. You know, we always have to tell where bathrooms are. And there's a drinking fountain there as well. So without further ado, I will introduce David, who will tell you what the format of the evening is. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Jerry. And thanks to everyone that's listening on KEIN, 1310 AM, and KGPR FM. We are going to... Uh, provide each of the candidates with uh, an opportunity to make a three-minute opening statement to get started, following which we're going to ask a series of five questions that our moderator, Thomas Risberg, and the board of Great Falls Rising collaborated on. Uh, those questions will have two-minute answers as a maximum. I will be holding up one minute to go and 30 seconds to go signs from the front row so they'll all know when their time is about up, and a sound will emanate from my phone when they're done. Uh, following those open-ended two-minute uh, questions, there will be a, a lightning round of questions up to four or five that they have not seen in advance and won't know exactly what's coming. And those will be expected to be answered in 30 seconds or less, possibly just with a yes or a no, because they're closed-ended questions. Uh, following that, there will be an opportunity for your questions. Uh, you might have seen pads and pencils as you came in. Uh, if you have one of those pads and pencils or you want to go fetch one, you can write your uh, questions down. There'll be board members, if you raise your hand, uh, who will collect those from you and bring them to where Thomas is preparing to read them to the candidates in the sort of final question round. Then after the last of the questions are, are, uh, are asked and answered, we'll have uh, each candidate give a two-minute closing statement. And again, that's up to two minutes. It doesn't have to be the full two minutes, but uh, two minutes maximum closing statement, and then we will adjourn. Uh, I wanted to just point out one other thing, and that is that your ballots drop, in theory, on the 23rd of October. Uh, there will be uh, two candidates. Uh, there, are, there are two slots, I should say, on the commission that are open, assuming that the mayorship is won by someone other than Commissioner McKinney. But if Commissioner McKinney wins the mayorship, there will be a third opening on the city commission replacing his slot, and that will be an appointed position, okay? So that's kind of how it's working. Uh, there are five commissioner candidates, four of whom you see here tonight, two of which will be elected, and one of which may be appointed. Could, could be anyone else as well. And then the only thing, other thing I wanted to say was uh, please print your questions legibly if you do submit one for us. Uh, all capital block letters are preferable so that we don't have to try to interpret what you wrote. Thank you very much, and I will turn it over to Thomas Risberg, our moderator. 
Yeah, thank you very much, David. And uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for coming out tonight. And, uh, you know, being part of the great American tradition of, uh, you know, pluralism and, and coming together and hearing from uh, those folks that want to lead us. And so we do have limited time. And uh, so I would say to the candidates, we want, you know, full, uh, thoughtful responses. But by the same token, uh, what's the Mark Twain quote? You know, uh, I would have made it shorter if I had more time. So feel free to not take up the whole time. And with that, let's jump right in. So we have, as David said, three minutes for opening statements. And Kendall, we'll start kind of in reverse order. So uh, give us your three minutes on, you know, why you are uh, the person to be on the city commission. A little bit about me, general information. I was born in Iowa and uh, migrated up here due to my parents. And I've been here most of my life. I'm uh, well integrated into the school district. I went to, uh, went to a school here all the way through high school, uh, starting with, you know, earlier grades. But uh, and then I got drafted, went to uh, serve a year in Texas and one in Vietnam, came back, uh, got a job, uh, went to college, and I got a job at uh, Ryan super super value. I don't know how many people know what happened. It got it got uh, terminated with extreme prejudice <laughs> uh, in 2001. So I had been doing a little bit of uh, uh, development work. I did, I went into that more uh, focused uh, my energies on that. And uh, I'd like to say uh, someone asked me the other day what would be uh, uh, good, uh, I guess you say, descriptives of my campaign and my if I was elected, what I would, how I would try to serve in that role. I'd say uh, number one, I'm independent. I don't ha I don't take any money from anybody. Uh, don't have uh, anybody influencing me except maybe my wife. Well, not not much there either, really. <laughs> but she tries. Uh, and I got a son that's libertarian, so he tries to. <laughs> but uh, number two, I'm conservative um, in a political content uh, context. I favor free enterprise, private ownership of, and socially traditional ideas. That's these descriptors are pretty pretty close to my makeup and what I would what I would serve under that uh, type of. Uh, the third thing would be consistent. I try to keep uh, consistency in my uh, decisions, try to be fair, and uh, final, tr finally, traditional values, values like honesty, faith. My faith is very uh, strong in my life, uh, honesty, integrity, and uh, the other basic, you know, Pay my taxes <laughs> on time, uh, and also uh, I do some work in my church, and uh, that would be pretty much my introductory. Hi, I'm Shannon Wilson. Uh, I grew up here in Great Falls. I went to Sacagawea and then was bused down to Largent when Riverview was growing too fast, and then North and West Junior High but I graduated from Great Falls High School. So um, I was uh, went into the military. Uh, I was in the Army for seven and a half years. I left as a staff sergeant. I was a motor sergeant. I worked as a heavy wheel vehicle mechanic. When I left, I went to Montana Tech and got two engineering degrees, and then I went down to University of Missouri Rolla to do some postgraduate study towards a PhD. I feel that um, I would be a good asset for the commission because of my project management experience as an engineer. I worked as a project engineer and as uh, a research engineer in the metallurgical and environmental fields. Um, let's see, also I'm involved with a lot of different groups here in town. I'm kind of a government geek too. I've been coming to um, <clears throat> uh, city commission meetings for years and also 
county commission meetings and just recently since I've been to the school uh, citizens academy for public, Great Falls Public Schools, I've been attending the school board meetings too. So I'm pretty knowledgeable of what's going on in the county. I'm also, I've served on, served on a previous board for the city and I'm currently the acting chair of the park and rec board and I'm on my third term as neighborhood council number nine uh, representative. I guess that's about all I can say for right now. <laughs> My name is Michaela Stroop. I am a Great Falls native. I was born and raised here in Great Falls. I also attended Sacagawea Elementary, just a couple years apart. Um, I have always worked in public service since before I was 18. I have done nothing but. I've never really worked in the private sector. I really believe in public service and I enjoy serving my community. And that's what prompted me to um, run for city commission. This is something that I've quietly always monitored and been really interested in. Um, I've been a little vocal with family and friends about the city commission and how the city has ran at times. And I think I've been challenged to put my money where my mouth is. So here I am. I'm a mom of two kids, one's at hockey practice, just now starting. The other one's, I'm sure, doing something with a Great Falls High School activity. Um, and I... I just feel that the, the time is right. I am really aware of a lot of our community issues. I work for the state of Montana um, in public service, and I think that I'm in a position where I can really impact the decisions that we're making in the direction that the city is going. And I really want this to be a community that my kids want to grow up in, that they want to reside in or return to after college. and that's why I'm here today. I don't want to think about Great Falls now or how it was in the past. I really am a forward thinker and I want my kids to feel proud to be from Great Falls and, and live here. I think this is a great place to live. We have so many benefits and we are at this pivotal moment where I really think that our city could go in a couple different directions. And we need some people that have a little bit um, different perspectives running our community. I think historically a lot of our commissioners have been um, business owners, maybe had some other personal interests in mind. And not to say that business owners <laughs> are negative to our community or beyond our city commission, but I do think that sometimes there has maybe been a little bit too much personal investment in our city government, which has um, led to some ethical issues. And I don't have any of that in the way. My goal is to just make this community better for everybody. Thank you. Hi, my name is Eric Heimbaugh, and uh, I grew up on the High Line and came to Great Falls via University of Great Falls, now University of Providence. And uh, after graduation, I began a career as an insurance agent for Farmers Union Insurance. Uh, I, I love the area. I love living in Great Falls. so. I really decided to uh, put my roots down here and, and start a business, and I enjoyed it. I've been very involved in uh, several different community organizations, from coaching youth sports to sitting on several community boards. But um, I recently was, on, was appointed to the city commission two years ago, and um, I really enjoyed it. I'll, what I'm working on, what, what I'm putting my focus into right now is really addressing our public safety needs. And, We'll find out here in a few weeks um, what the plan is moving forward for that. Um, that but that's always going to be a top priority. Um, the second thing I really uh, I think is important for us to start paying attention to is our growth plan, how we develop housing in this community. And, I, and that process is set to kick off next year. And I really look forward to diving into that uh, growth that growth plan process and really setting the tone for what we want to see in our community and where we want to see our community grow. So I, those are the two primary focus, focuses right now. I mean, economic development's always at the top of my mind. I think uh, we need to continue to um, be open for business and encourage economic growth in our community. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on in my background. Thank you. Well, Eric, it couldn't have been a better uh, transition there. 
So we're, we're ready to go into our open-ended questions. So you guys will have two minutes each to respond to these. And I'll start with you, Eric, just for the, the ease with the, the microphone. And so as you had, had just mentioned in your answer, you know, we're going to be updating the Great Falls growth policy. And so the question is, how would you as a city commissioner improve Great Falls workforce and spur economic growth here? So it is a little bit of a compound question, so keep that in mind then. Specifically, how would you lead Great Falls in preparing for the influx of contractors working on the ICBM modernization and help the city ensure that whatever financial boost the city receives from the project at the base drives long-term sustainable growth after it ends? Okay, I'll try to sum that answer up in two minutes. but. Um, as far as the workforce goes, I don't believe the city of Great Falls can directly do that, but I believe we can be the moderator for those conversations of working with community partners to try to solve those problems because we are gonna have a huge demand on our workforce in this community in the next, for the next decade, really. So um, now how do we use the Maelstrom project to leverage growth in our community? I, I think that just naturally with that many people coming to town, if we plan correctly, this is where the growth plan is going to be crucial to, to make sure we're doing it right and thinking ahead and, and, and keeping in mind that Maelstrom project. I think we can really leverage that for the decade beyond the Sentinel project. And I think we can position Great Falls for some great economic development and growth in this community. So similar to what Eric said, I think our growth plan is really what we need to be looking at um, when trying to figure out how we're going to grow Great Falls and have the, the increase in the infrastructure, in the housing that we're going to need in the workforce. Uh, we're going to need a lot of people in our service industry. This is going to impact our schools, and we need to be planning ahead um, I think when the refinery, a lot of people blame the refinery workers for a lot of the housing crisis, that they were coming in, they had a lot of the money, and therefore they were taking a lot of the housing, which then boosted um, the rent in Great Falls. And I agree with some of that, and we do need to be prepared. I think that we are fortunate in that Cheyenne, Wyoming is going to see this a little sooner than us, so I think we can kind of peek at what they're doing a little bit and what might be working, what might not be working. Cheyenne is growing, I think, at a rate much greater than Great Falls, so they're already in that preparation. Um, and with that growth plan, I think the biggest thing that the city can do is ensure that we are including our community partners, including the school district, in that growth plan because it is going to impact all of our nonprofits. It's going to impact our education system. So we need to make sure that we are really thinking outside the box and being as collaborative as possible with that. And to sustain that in the future, I think that the public safety levy is going to have some sort of a say because we are going to want a safe community when this missile contract is up and that starts to leave and we have a community left with that growth. We need to have a safe community to be able to maintain that. I don't know if you've been in Lethbridge lately, but 40 years ago when I was a waitress in Sambo's downtown, I'd have a lot of Canadian customers come down from Lethbridge and want to do shopping down here. Lethbridge has got much better shopping now, a lot better businesses and stuff. I think we need to streamline things in the city a little better for to start a business and to maintain a business. My partner started a business this year and is in the process of starting another one. And he's had to jump through a lot of hoops. And he's tried, I said, call the Great Falls Development Authority. He couldn't even get a call back from him. It, it's, it, there's gotta be better support for starting a business and maintaining a business here in town. Also, improving Great Falls workforce I want to tell you about a young man that I ran into when I worked the cold weather drop-in center downtown here uh, during the winter. This, this young man was homeless and he was walking from downtown to Subway on the west side maintaining a, maintaining a job, but he couldn't afford an apartment here. 
and every once in a while he'd spend the $89 to stay at the Imperial Inn downtown so that he could get a good night's rest and a shower and rest and relax, and then he'd be back on the streets and hopefully get a, a, a pallet at the rescue mission. This man was trying as hard as he could, working, and he couldn't afford an apartment here. We need to do something about affordable housing if we're going to have workers maintaining our businesses here. Uh, I've, I've been involved in development in the county and in the city, and uh, by far the city is the hardest uh, to deal with. Uh, most of your development for housing, single-family housing, is outside of the city for that reason. You'll find very few buildable lots in Great Falls. Uh, there's myself and others that have have, uh, have land that's developable, but uh, and I and part of that land I developed through NeighborWorks Cooperative through NeighborWorks, which was I'm very thankful for, and uh, that was 88 houses. But kind of hit, hit into a buzzsaw buzzsaw after that of uh, lack of infrastructure, proper infrastructure. I think we need to get a hold of the uh, uh, to be proactive get the infrastructure, they're talking about a wave of them, people coming. They, they're, they, they've got to have a simple single-family residence. Not everybody wants to live in an apartment. And if you can, if you've watched the community, there's lots of apartments going up, but hardly any houses, new ones. So that's, that's that would be my focus as a commissioner to do a, uh, a deep uh, study of that, to incentivize uh, that area of the uh, market and real estate that's somewhat neglected. And what I mean by infrastructure, off-site infrastructure, all the developers uh, have been uh, required to put in off-site infrastructure in many cases, and it becomes a real crushing burden on the developers, and a lot of them just won't do it. That's a little known secret, I think. <laughs> uh, not just me, there's others. So. The point is, I'm talking about uh, stormwater facilities, uh, even sometimes uh, wastewater. So that would be my focus. All right, thank you. And we'll we'll start with you, Shannon. I, I want to try to you know change up who's doing it with without having the microphone uh, pass too much. And so that the questions are getting shorter, which is good. Uh, so the second one, and uh, just so the audience knows, they've been given these in advance, these first five questions, and then we're going to do a lightning round after these are done. So question two is, uh, with the increasingly chaotic and unpredictable U.S. world and regional weather, weather patterns we've been experiencing of late, how can Great Falls make itself more resilient as a city to future severe weather events and energy disruptions and continue to ensure our city has a clean and healthful environment as guaranteed by right in the Montana State Constitution? Well, this is my kind of question. I, I got my undergraduate degree in environmental engineering and my master's degree in metallurgical and mineral processing engineering so that we could recycle metals instead of dig more holes in the ground. So I could, and I spent my career mining waste in the Midwest. Anyway, um, and I think about this resilient thing a lot. I think um, I was a research engineer for over a decade and I worked with asphalt guys a lot. They'd always get asphalt all over my glassware, but um, I learned a lot from them. And the technology with asphalt and construction and stuff, they can make cooler pavements to um, pave cities with that will help bring down temperatures. Also, cool roofs. There's high-tech paints um, and clear paints that they can put on roofs that will reflect heat uh, from the sun away and, and cool down the city a bit. Um, we need to build our resili re resiliency by uh, investing in clean energy. Um, as uh, being on the park and rec board, I've been pressing to get solar panels on the new recreation center. And it is fitted, retrofitted to be able to take them and someday I hope we get them. But we need to do better in, in the city. We also need to prepare residents for um, extreme uh, climate events that are happening because of climate change. Can we swing it down? Swing it, uh, Kendall, please. Yeah. 
wanted to uh, briefly say something about the edu the uh, previous uh, item uh, as far as uh, improving uh, Great Falls workforce. I think the educational process needs to be beefed up from kindergarten up through on the technical issues like math and and that type of uh, thing, if, uh, matter, science, hard sciences. As far as the uh, the uh, next question, uh, I think that uh, we're on question three, right? <laughs> two, okay, two. Yeah, I, as far as being resilient for weather, that, I think that's basically a function of uh, beefing up the emergency system and getting proper training and proper equipment. Um, and as far as environment, uh, I think you just need to s stick with uh, what's reasonable and sane. Don't want to get too wild because as a developer, I can tell you everything adds cost to the project and everything goes to the consumer, bottom line. If you want to have a capitalist, capitalistic system, you, do, you, you have to allow for that choices. You can't mandate uh, too many things or you're going to uh, not have affordable workforce housing in this community. So. so unlike Shannon, this is not my wheelhouse whatsoever. And I did do some pretty ample research on this topic and kind of went down a bunny hole. Um, so I won't pretend this question is well beyond my scope. Uh, I do understand clean and renewable energy. I agree with the solar panels on the rec center. I drive by that every day on my way to work and I'm watching that go up. And uh, I think it would be something that our city could benefit from. But really this question is so complex and I would need to consult so many people that have a better understanding before I could really give a reasonable answer uh, to this question. It's just um, far, far more complex than I think is necessarily a city issue. Our utilities are um, really not city owned. I think communicating with them, I, I think that we do have some emergency response um, that we could beef up. That's really more of a county and, and state issue than it is a city issue. But um, I think that's the best answer that I could give at this time. My answer is kind of two part. Um, the first part is I'm all for making sure any city facilities are as energy efficient as possible and built with the most resilient materials that we can afford. I think that's smart business. Um, I'm in the insurance business and we're seeing catastrophic hailstorms, windstorms more frequently in Montana and, uh, and uh, the market is kind of pushing um, materials towards more resili resilient materials. So I think that's smart for the city facilities and, uh, and I would support that. Um, as far as like ener buying energy or like investing in energy, um, I think we already tried that once in Great Falls. And <laughs> I, I think we just need to stay diligent with our energy contract and make sure we're trying to get the most affordable um, energy contract we can for the city and, and to pay attention to that and make sure we're getting it um, at, a, at a fair value. Um, when it comes to the emergency response, I, I think that's a team effort with the county, the state, and just continuing to make sure we're organized and communicating with our partners on that. So we're prepared for anything that might come down the line. So thank you. Thank you very much. And on this third question, we'll start with Michaela and then come back to you, Eric. So much shorter. What role, if any, do you think the city should play in increasing the availability of affordable childcare to enable more Great Falls parents to participate in the workforce? So this isn't necessarily a city issue. I, it impacts the city. It impacts all of us uh, not having childcare. I know firsthand from, I was fortunate to have fantastic childcare, um, but in my job, I encounter a lot of parents, especially those in the service industry that are not able to find childcare because the service industry is not eight to five. Childcare is. And that is something that creates a barrier. It's a hardship for our parents. But then we also need to have the workforce to support those child care um, centers and home child care um, and daycares. And a lot of people don't want to work outside that eight to five. It's a really complex issue. 
um, daycare centers have zoning issues within the city and can only be operated in certain areas. Home daycares um, can sometimes be difficult, especially if we're looking outside the eight to five. Um, so, and daycares are private businesses. So we need those people that want to pursue that. Um, I do know that the city has the community rec center, which is an absolute godsend to parents during the summer. I utilize that for, I think almost 10 years. Uh, for summer child care for my children. And I know that there's the after school uh, program and they have it actually tomorrow and Friday because school is out. And that is very helpful. But again, the need is really related to later evening child care. So our families can work in these service industries or potentially find their way into better employment opportunities. So I don't know if it's a city issue. I mean, maybe there could be some incentives or if there's some city buildings that could be utilized maybe for people to have low-cost rent to open childcare or daycares. I think that's maybe the best that the city might be able to do on this topic. I agree with Michaela on it's it's not a, it's not a, um, a topic that the city can directly impact, but I again we can be a moderator and work with community partners to try to solve this problem and look for any opportunity we can with the tools we do have um, in the city. I don't I don't specifically know how we could um, a child care center can qualify for some of our federal grants or some of the federal money we get that we can administer, but uh, just looking for any opportunity any tool we have in the toolbox to try to help address that need because it's it's definitely important as we move forward and grow as a community just not a not not an issue the city directly deals with i'm not sure if eric's aware of this but um, the community rec center downtown is going to become a full-time daycare center once the new rec center opens up this, the city entered into an agreement with an organization that will run a daycare center downtown that will be convenient for downtown workers. That's a, that's a way that the city can um, help with the, with the child care need that we have in the city. Um, any of these extra uh, buildings and stuff that are around, if we can get something started in it, <clears throat> because I, I have a friend who's paying $1,100 a month for childcare for their, for their baby. It's tough when the wages are relatively low in this town and trying to afford the ever-increasing rent, it's tough. So this, the city is trying to do something and I'd like to see them do more. Like to say, like others have said, that uh, a lot of these uh, issues are peripheral to a city commissioner. They're they're not um, necessarily their bailiwick, and it goes to a higher authority usually, and they mandate what you can do. The as far as child care, I think it's ideally uh, it's a complex issue, but in some respects, but I think the best thing we could shoot for is try to create an environment as city uh, government where the uh, Wage scale would be bumped up, and that has to do with uh, attracting, and it goes back to kind of in a circle with uh, proper housing, proper other amenities uh, in the community, so that the at least one parent could stay home. Because uh, it's, it's, I think, it's very vital that the parent uh, has a lot of contact with their parents, especially, uh, but. That's more of a traditional value, but I think it's being lost by too much childcare. So I think if we could incentivize, maybe even give work for tax credits through the legislature for people that need that for a short time period. Okay, thank you very much. And, and we're gonna start with you, Kendall. So hold on to the mic with question four. And here it is, it's what role, if any, do you think the city should play in addressing the mental health and substance use disorder crises affecting Great Falls? Well, that's a hard one <laughs> because a lot of times um, the uh, mental health and the uh, substance, substance abuse issue has to deal with uh, a lot of deficiencies in the individual 
that have accumulated and came to the point where they, that, that's a large part of that uh, issue. And uh, it's difficult to get the resources uh, available and the cost uh, factor is pretty heavy. Um, I think that uh, also drugs should be, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned I was in the, I was in the Army for a couple of years. I never seen anything so ugly in my life. Uh, not, the war, of course, it's ugly, but also my fellow soldiers. Uh, when I was there in Vietnam, the heroin epidemic was unbelievable. In my unit, there was probably roughly 60% of them that were on heroin. Okay, let that sink in. It was 95% pure heroin. It was a tactic of the enemy. I do think enemies of this, this country are flooding our communities with like lots of uh, cheap drugs. And so as a city commissioner, you have to uh, be aware of that, do whatever you can to get training and expertise and resources in the city level to fight that. Uh, not make it easier, make it harder for the uh, dr drug pushers. We'll just go down the line. So Shannon, you're next. I'm pretty concerned about this, but it's a lot of it has to do with state funding and who we've elected to the state legislature. So it really matters who you vote for for the state legislature. <clears throat> they, they control the purse strings for a lot of these programs for mental health and, and help with substance uh, abuse. <clears throat> I, I know that's a difficult, difficult thing to deal with because my partner's nephew died of an overdose this year and he spent 15 years trying to get clean. He was in and out of prisons and stuff. And it's very, very hard to break the cycle and he just, he eventually died of an overdose. <clears throat> it's going to be tough to deal with this, but we have to have adequate funding and adequate support to be able to deal with this problem. And it's it's not going to go away easily. So I think that the, the city does have some of a role in the mental health and substance abuse crisis in our community. I think that we've come a long way with providing officers with Narcan to deal with these overdoses that are happening on the street. Um, I know that there is a lot of stigma with mental health and substance abuse in our community. I think a lot of people are frankly upset that law enforcement has that Narcan. And I've heard many people say, you know, they're just a drug user. Why are we saving them? And ultimately, they're someone's, you know, son, daughter, brother, sister, parent. And I deal regularly with active users and recovering users in my job. And it is incredibly difficult, and our community um, struggles a lot with understanding mental illness and substance abuse. And I think that um, we really need to be looking at this with our community partners and considering um, MAT treatment, which is medication-assisted treatment, Suboxone for those that are using, which also has a negative connotation, and people really misunderstand what that means. And I think that we as a community need to work to better understand and support um, these people in our community because they do recover and then they become part of our workforce. And it is difficult for law enforcement because they kind of become these pseudo mental health counselors when they're responding to calls. And I think that we need to be looking into grants for mental health co-responders uh, for some of our law enforcement and um, mental health is also a private issue. This is HIPAA, and they don't want the government involved. So that's why we really need that immediate access to providers um, for these people. And mental illness is a community-wide impact. I agree that the, the city can't tackle this on their own. This is a big problem, and I, I do agree that we need to work with our state legislators to, to really advocate for the, the facilities and the infrastructure we need to move the needle on this on this issue. Um, it, I think it directly correlates to the homeless issue we've been dealing with in this community um, that's been increasing the last few years. 
Um, I think the city can can take advantage of opportunities like um, through the, we recently went through the ARPA allocations and there are several community partners, maybe not directly mental health or, or addictions um, services, but creating safe spaces for these people so they can start to move the needle on getting out of that cycle. So uh, I, as a city commissioner, am gonna look for every opportunity to support these kind of projects in our community and I'm going to be advocating with our legislative delegation to try and give us a hand in this community to address it. Thank you, and Eric, we'll be sticking with you for question five and go down the row. And I just, do, to be mindful of time, um, I know some of you addressed the affordable housing issue in your uh, question about growth, so I would, you know, you don't need to repeat yourself. And the question five is, what do you believe are the best ways to improve the supply of affordable housing in Great Falls? Well, not to repeat myself, but getting the growth plan figured out and, and know, knowing where we're going as a community. But really, the, the brass tacks is we need to figure out how to get the infrastructure out to the areas we want to grow. And hopefully we can have a great plan that comes out of this and we can start to think of creative ways to get that infrastructure in the ground so those subdivisions start uh, moving in this community. I agree with the subdivision piece. I think that we've seen a lot of growth with apartment complexes in Great Falls, which has been fantastic. And I think that that is um, a great need in our community. However, we haven't really seen a ton of different housing options pop up um, in our community. So I think that with the growth plan, looking at some subdivisions and different types of housing, because hopefully then the people that are currently in these new apartment buildings will be able to move into a subdivision, into some housing or into some existing housing in Great Falls, which will then open up these apartments to other people that are of the lower income and are younger that will have a place to go. So I think it's a stepped process with that growth plan and figuring out where we can uh, make this happen, how we can incentivize builders, and then also support the infrastructure that's going to go around that and much like with the apartment complex that was um, that kind of fell apart at Dick's RV due to the infrastructure piece um, we need to be able to support that so that when the community grows we still have um, the ability for our first responders and our, our traffic and for everything to work itself out so hopefully expanding beyond just apartment complexes is something that uh, we need to look out for our housing future. I'm a veteran on disability, so I have a limited fixed income. And sure, there's a lot of apartments being built in Great Falls, but I can't afford any of them. It's, it's, uh, we need more affordable options. Uh, there was a homeless um, fair for volunteers this past weekend with a lot of organizations that are working on this, and we need to give those organizations uh, support and the city needs to work with them to increase the options of affordable housing. Having been in the uh, process of developing, I have went through the uh, stages and the uh, system a number of times and each time you go through it, it becomes more onerous and burdensome, not just to me, but to the final product. Um, just as an example, when I first started doing this back in the 90s, you know, I, I could give you a, a pace, a range of prices that was much, much cheaper. And in, in city, when I started in the city about 2007, the uh, lots were around 30,000, now they're 70,000. Where does that cost go? It goes to the consumer. That's where it ends up. Okay, that's just simple reality. If the developer, it's put all on the developer. They have to make a profit or they won't do it. They won't do it. That's, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than a lot of your apartments. Those are, so many of them have federal monies. And uh, so that's my perspective. And if I got on the commission, I would work on that. Uh, the other factor that's coming in play that none of us have a, a control over is the inflationary factor and the interest rate. And uh, that has to do with for, uh, 
reasons far beyond the city commission <laughs> in most cases. Okay, and with that, we're going to transition into our lightning round. And uh, uh, the idea behind this, right, is these are preferably yes-no answers, 30 seconds each, and these are kind of hot-button issues, and we want to get, you know, all the voters to understand uh, your position on it. We're going to start, Shannon, go you um, down to Kendall, and then swing it back, and then start uh, the second round. You know, we'll start with you, Michaela. So. Shannon, starting with you, do you support using tax increment financing, AKA TIF funds, in construction projects here in Great Falls? Absolutely, it's improving our um, areas where, like the downtown area, they've done specific things like, like environmental issues and facade issues, and it, it's benefit, benefited the downtown business area as a whole, made it more um, inviting. I would say there is there is a limited role and uh, place for that instrument, even in uh, even in housing, perhaps. Although that's never been uh, that line has never been crossed. Well, it's been discussed, but it's uh, it helps to remove the burden from the initiation of the process and get into the development to the point where it's viable, and it, it creates a lot of uh, benefit. Yes, I agree with that, and I know that many of those funds have gone towards the downtown, and I think that our downtown area has improved significantly over the past um, five, especially ten years, so I think that, yes, those funds should be used. Yes, and it's really the only tool we have to, to be competitive in attracting business, too, so yes. All right, yep, thank you very much. So we'll go on to question two. We'll start with Michaela. And will you be voting yes or no on the public safety levy and the public safety bond question on your ballot? Yes, I will. Um, I think it is long overdue. I think that um, the city of Great Falls is terrible with its timing in that the last time it was on the ballot, we were also in a really bad economical situation and everybody, um, had to tighten up their purse strings, but I, I think that this time it would be absolutely detrimental to our community as a whole to vote anything other than yes. Anybody know, who knows me or seen me the last month and a half knows where I stand on this, yes. I will be because we can't grow Great Falls with good, good businesses coming in here unless we're a safe community with, with good infrastructure. I'm uh, decidedly a no, and the reason for that is I opened up my tax bills. One, uh, one small lot, $800 raise. I think there's enough money in the system if we are judicious. Of course, I'm not, I've not been sitting there when this was brought up by uh, Eric and others, but I would like to have a shot at it before we vote on it. That's my position on it. Uh, I think there's a lot of slop in the system. Kendall, hold on to the mic. We're going to go with question three, which is to you. And so, do you believe that people should be appointed to city boards only if they claim to support the institution that the board is tasked with overseeing? <clears throat> Not necessarily. I think there's something to be said for outside uh, perspectives to bring in fresh thoughts and fresh uh, ideas on some of the boards. They've been kind of sheltered in some respects. As um, acting chair of the Park and Rec Board, I kind of wonder about this because um, anything that we put before the commission, will that be up um, for uh, uh, their changing? Um, because there were people that were against the park um, district initiative that was on the ballot a few years ago. So there was people against it too. So how is this going to play with the next um, recommendations we put before the city commission? I don't remember what the yes or no would have been, but I would say that at times it can be appropriate to appoint somebody that might have a differing view than everybody that serves on that board or commission 
I, I think that multiple perspectives are are good, and I hope that um, ethics come into play, and that ultimately we're <laughs> running on um, not emotions but facts. Yeah. First one of the night. <laughs> I believe it's important to have a difference of views on all our boards, so that that's my position on it. Perfect. And now question four. Uh, this one, again, yes or no for the most part. Do you believe that diversity, and this is defined as identity-based characteristics such as race, ethnicity, gender, and sexual orientation, should be considered in board appointments, allocating city resources, jobs, and contracting? Eric, start with you and go down. No. Yeah. Yes and no. I think it. Um, I don't think that we should be appointing somebody necessarily based on that, but I do think that diversity is important. So I don't think we should be making decisions based on necessarily that diversity. You're male, you're female, you're black, you're white. However, I do feel that diversity is very important in all aspects of just who we are as humankind. Um, I believe in equality for whatever positions uh, that are available, whether um, they're for this or that, they're, they're a certain race, a certain religion, it really shouldn't matter, but we should make sure that uh, we've got um, some diversity, but it really shouldn't be the final uh, call on decisions. Basically, I think it should be relevant. However, in certain instances, like, uh, for instance, if you were establishing a Native American commission to study the special problems of Native Americans, and it might be wise to put a few Native Americans on the commission. Thank you. And we'll start now with Shannon, go back uh, to Kendall, and then swing it around. So this is the final one in the lightning round. Do you believe city government has an obligation to ensure all Great Falls citizens are either sheltered or housed? Yes. No, with a caveat. I would think if somebody's in and it's really cold out, you got to afford somebody uh, that's in that situation a place. But generally speaking, <clears throat> I've, I've dealt with some of these uh, examples of people that are in that situation. And my, I had an uncle that was a street minister, and some of them, uh, they would rather die than switch. They like it out there. And, but that's not all of them. There's some of them that it gets really cold. They don't like it. No, I don't. Um, I think that we need to do our best to make sure that everybody has the opportunity for appropriate and safe housing, but ultimately people are going to do what they want to do. I've worked tirelessly at times to get a client into safe and stable housing only for them to say, I won't go because I don't like the curfew. So there's really only so much that we can do, and there are some other issues that surround that. No, but I, I believe in helping and looking for opportunities to support projects that do fulfill that mission. Perfect. Thank you guys very much for those clear answers on those. Um, so we don't have any audience Q&A, do we, David? As, as a parent of a Great Falls police officer, if the safety levy were to fail, what are your thoughts on how we can bolster first responder services? Start with Eric. At the end of the day, we just, we, we need more resources. So if it if it does fail, um, if I'm on the commission, my commitment is to go back to the drawing board and figure out how we make this more palatable so that we do get it to pass and we get the resources that our first responders need. Um, we've combed through the budget. We've looked for every opportunity. We've applied for every grant. We're we're maxed out, and this is the only other option. This is the only option we have to really make sure they're f fully funded and supported. I agree. We would have to continue to just dig and really make this a priority for our community. Um, I 
my cousin is a officer in Bozeman and they have somewhat similar issues. They are absolutely just overtaxed and um, we need to dig and do the best we can. And maybe if we can look into more like mental health, substance abuse type co-responder grants for our law enforcement, maybe that would help at least alleviate some of that and maybe just turn the direction a little bit to help our law enforcement out where we can. If it does fail, we need to go back and look at um, maybe a pared down levy because I know there was a good, better, and best option, and it, this was the good plus. Well, if this doesn't work, um, we'll have to we'll have to go back for maybe a fair one to make sure that we can support our police department. Could I hear the question again? So the question is, as a parent of a Great Falls police officer, if the safety levy were to fail, what are your thoughts on how we can bolster first responder services? You know, like, like my neighbor here was saying, go back to the drawing board and, and reconfigure your figures. Uh, also, I would like to say briefly that there should be an option from the state level to draw on some of their resources, and that's a legislative uh, issue above our level, but I think that's an option that would be. I got a young 34 year old son that's in the Air National Guard up here, and he's guarding planes and one around circles. There's, I'm not saying there's it's a needed function, but there's there's always manpower that can be drawn on if if the state would allow that to happen temporarily. Thank you very much. I know we're running out of time here, David. We'll take one more. All right. So we'll start this. I'm trying to keep it open, you know, equal with who's starting, but also be mindful of the mic. So we'll start getting into Michaela. And this is going to be, oh, wow. This is a uh, Kendall Cox. You have a past political party experience unknown. And there is a Our Two Cents column Time to allow gay marriage, I'm reading here. Does the candidate still fully support this view? So this is one, I guess it's to, to Kendall. So I guess that wouldn't make sense for Michaela. I'm trying, I'm trying to understand what the uh, I, I'm nature of the question is. Yeah, I, I'm sorting it out here as well. Um, so I'm, I'm reading a sheet here. It says published November 8th, 2014 in the Great Falls Tribune. Um, and in response to the Tribune's October 29th, our two cents column, time to allow gay, gay marriage, I, I believe it's, your response was not natural. At no time may we approve what the creator has forbidden in his laws of nature, et cetera, et cetera. It's an Exodus quote. Essentially, let me break that down for, you know, what, what are your I views think I on get, I think it gets yeah, point. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I'm proud of being a Christian. I believe in the Bible believe in God's laws as the creator and as my Lord and Savior. So it's in the Bible. And that's what I guide my moral compass by. And uh, I don't guide it by what the court says or political process. And I think it's now incumbent to give all, all the candidates I haven't a, changed a chance to answer words. that. I haven't changed. Okay, so I, I would say, you know, if I'll take a... I think it's it's open that everyone should answer that. So if, just real quick, you know, this, the answer is, do you support same-sex marriage? I believe everybody should live the life that they want to live. I agree. I don't see how that impacts me, and I believe in equality, and I have respect for all. Yes, and it's none of our business. The government should stay out of it. Perfect, and that will then will do the closing statements. And since you know you didn't get to do it, uh, you start off with our two-minute closing statements. Um, I would like to thank everybody for for coming. This turnout is amazing. I appreciate being invited to this. I have thoroughly enjoyed all of these um, candidate forums that we've had. It's been so um, educational for me. I am not. I'm a terrible self-promoter. I don't like doing stuff like this. Um, I, I love to speak in public, but I don't like to talk about me. So um, I, I really appreciate it. I just want to serve my community. 
I, I think the time is right. I think I do have something to offer to the commission. I have something to offer to uh, the community of Great Falls. So um, I just really appreciate everybody being here and, and listening and being open-minded. I just want to thank Great Falls Rising for hosting this. I really appreciate it. I think it's really good to have these forums. This is our second. We'll have another one next week. So. I think the more we can get out and talk about ideas and 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 discuss things with people, even if even if we disagree, it's it's good for the community. Um, I've enjoyed my last two years on the commission, and I hope that you'll uh, reelect me for another four years. I think uh, the I'm bullish on Great Falls. I'm excited to be here. I think there's a lot of good things happening, and I look forward to tackling the challenges we face and. Um, I just, yeah, I'm just excited to see what, what uh, the next decade brings here. Thank you. I love my town, and I want to see it conti continue to grow and thrive in a responsible way. The main issues that I decided to run were affordable housing. One, This lady that I worked with at the drop-in center downtown, uh, she came in one night, she'd lost her housing that night. She died three weeks later in the alley. So affordable housing has me very concerned. Officer Tanner Lee was shot in front of my apartment um, in March. And we've had other several murders in my neighborhood. So I'm very concerned about public safety. And I've been egging the commission on about the growth plan for the last year and now they finally got it into the budget and it's going to happen and I'd like to see it with a lot of public participation. Thank you. And my closing statement, I'd like to make it clear that I'm not some rabid uh, person that goes out and tries to pick on people that disagree with me. That's not what I do. If the law is there, even though I disagree with it, I work within the system to change the law or uh, change the uh, ruling by voting and by other way, ways. As far as party, I've never been a member of a party. Uh, that's, I should know. <laughs> I've got differences with all parties, Libertarian, Republican, Democrat. Uh, so. Just keep that in mind when you choose. I, most, most of the city commission work are not dealing with social issues directly. They're peripheral. Uh, I wouldn't have any impact on changing legislature or anything like that on this level. So you'd be safe. <laughs> um, so that's, that's basically my viewpoint. I, I do have, my, my issue is, what you're saying, affordable housing. That's what I have been involved in, or tried to be involved with. And I want to fine-tune the system because affordable soon becomes unaffordable because of the restrictions and the uh, market drives it up. Some of that's beyond the city commission's authority, but some of it isn't. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of things that need to be dealt with, and that's what I would like to be involved in. Okay. Yeah, th thank you all very much. And I know Jerry's coming up here to, to close this out, but I just want to say, uh, you know, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to be here. I've been watching the audience, uh, you know, very pensively looking on and paying attention. This is a beautiful uh, part of our civic culture here in the United States. And uh, it's, it's truly wonderful to come out here and see you all and see our candidates come out here um, and, and explain to the voters why they support them. So thank you all. Yeah, I'm getting turned off. So thank you all for coming. On behalf of Great Falls Rising, I want to thank all of our candidates for their thoughtful responses. Obviously, you've put a lot of thought into it, and that's wonderful. And thank you to the audience for coming. Regardless of what you might hear, our, our elections are safe. They are, they are fair and your vote counts. So we hope that you will encourage your friends. Obviously, you came tonight, you will be voting. Encourage your friends to vote. It's such an important part of our civic duty. So thank you, Thomas, for your wonderful moderating. Thanks, David, for setting this up and the rest of the Great Falls Rising Board. Our next program will be November 14th. 
And we are following our October, um, our, our last program that was on unhoused. Our next one will be November 14th at 6.30 p.m. at the Episcopal Church, and it will be on unhoused again, focusing on women and children. So we'll have a panel of five. Our last one was a panel as well, and we learned a lot. So I hope that you can come to that. So thank you again for coming, and thanks for all of your thoughtful answers. Good night.